0: Mrs. Doubtfire does not work at all now because with with any with any conception that men should conduct themselves at all responsibly with any respect for the people they love, Mrs. Mm-hmm. Doubtfire doesn't work. <laughs> 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 it hinges on the idea that uh, a man can do whatever the fuck he wants to get his family back, and that there's there's no repercussions. Like he 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 applies for the nanny job, but he also like. Phones in with all his voices, creating fake nannies to like give himself shit competition to mm-hmm. ensure that he'll get the job. And one of them is like, "Oh, I'm not very good with uh, the males because I used to be one." And then like there's like a shot of the wife just like dropping the phone, like oh, like it was a, like it's a spider or something. And it just makes Robin Williams the most unsympathetic character. Wow. And then Pierce Brosnan is a totally. Sympathetic guy in that film He's way better suited to be like these kids stepdad And the movie wants you to hate him so bad Because he like refers to Robin Williams As a loser at one point And you're about to be like Oh fuck you Piers Blossom And you're rich and uh, and you've got your life together <laughs> It's such a horrible <laughs> film I, like, I've, no, 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 no. I've heard that's that Empire. That's the thing it's when, um, it, it's when he's peeing And he pees standing up And then the son walks in and sees it And then the idea that that their nanny has male genitalia is way more terrifying to them than the fact that their dad is tr- is dressing up and tricking their entire family <laughs> and lying to them. The moment where they think, oh my God, our nanny has a dick. That's like the worst case scenario for the family.
1: Yeah. It's just yeah. so different. Well, it's just that, it, yeah, like it, the 90s are just fucking bizarre. I mean, you know about is...
0: uh, Ace Ventura, right? Just garbagely transphobic. It's mo- yeah, yeah, it's like that movie's unsalvageable now. I used to watch it as a kid, and it took me a while to realize as an adult, like, oh my God, I watched a hate crime over and over and over <laughs> as a child, and I never picked up on it. <laughs> so, welcome to Sequels and Reboots. My name is Bia Flynn. Oh, you, um. you, ugh, every time, this is another tradition, is you not being able to do a regular intro where we just take turns saying our name. Did you, we not taught this? Just, like, hold the ball and say your name. I do this every day with children who, who I teach. <laughs> I can never remember which one of us goes first. Maybe the Either. one... It talking already, because basic courtesy. Jesus Christ. My name is Peter Flynn. And I'm Adam Brody. Adam Brody, the only the only person to unironically refer to me as a babe magnet. <laughs> <laughs> you did do that once. <laughs> I do. I you are a babe magnet. They're very cute. <laughs> <You> <laughs> that's, well, that's different...
1: Lady, ladies out there he is he has a nice beard and I... he has the spring in his step that you would ad- that you generally associate with sort of elven children
0: what do we do on this podcast birdie
1: we uh challenge one another pete to come up with sequels reboots and uh general re and general reimaginings of uh films that already exist in an attempt to get ahead of hollywood's
0: uh <laughs> complete well, lack of plan. creative imagination <laughs> is it is it actually a competition between us I've, I've never actually considered it that way like are we are we actually trying to beat each other each time i i know I,
1: I i think uh we're trying to beat hollywood right i think th- i think the idea is that because hollywood is eventually going to remake literally everything mm-hmm.
0: um we're getting it done like, first in the world yeah we're
1: yeah, we're getting it done first, and also, um, like, when they eventually do make the remakes, we can
0: look at it and go, ours is better. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> what I'm hoping for today, actually, because we're almost definitely going to be put up to the challenge today, because I think, I think today we've got fairly challenging um, tasks. I don't know about you, yeah. but I found mine pretty difficult today. What are you, what are you reimagining today, Brody? All right.
1: So last week you challenged me to reboot the horror series The Purge. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched Purge Anarchy, the second, and uh, I think, via certain internet consensus, the best yeah. of the Purge movies. Is that movies. why you
0: chose it? Because
1: it just had the yeah, yeah. It had the it had it was. I chose it because. Um, First, it was available for not very much money on Amazon Video. <laughs> and second, it was more interesting than the first Purge movie. Yeah. So, this, so the first Purge movie is like a uh, house invasion thing. And eh, it didn't sound so what exciting. What
0: a misstep. I can't believe they came up with just one of, one of the most like nice crystalline horror concepts in a long time. And mm-hmm. used it like that, and just said, "Let's make another home invasion film."
1: Yeah, though I mean, so I, we can. I think we should come back. We should, we should roll around back to that point because, I mean, so this is Blumhouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the purge, uh, the purge come out of a, a thing called Blumhouse Studios, which is also the studios that produced Get Out. Right. Um, who are kind of known uh, as, as i understand from like the coverage of get out for um make being like making very small not particularly very good uh horror films um but in return giving their creators like high levels of autonomy mm. in order to uh like get the best possible product out of their work, basically, right. or maybe
0: just to attract directors. Also create stuff um, with with the, that's easy to market.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's true. Uh, they they uh, horror is one of those genres where um, the natural audience for it is very willing to watch shit.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it's, so if it, you it's can teens, come up with it's teens like, on a date, ready to be scared and hold hands.
1: Or like incredibly beardy forty-year-old men. I I I don't know. Like there's a lot of ways you could typecast. There's something
0: the... I don't I don't know why horror is so often construed as. I don't know why it speaks to me like that. If, if people say what's the stupidest genre, you're inclined to say like action. You have this image of just like blokes wanting to go see guns and explosions. But like for some reason horror, when when there's a certain type of horror that is communi- communicated to me as the stupidest genre, like. I was thinking not not to trash it at all, but I think the the fear of it that a lot of people have is just situated in this very stupid space of just, oh, oh, my God, aren't clowns scary? I find the fear of clowns just really insipid. Oh, why? What, is it or, just too obvious? Or, or? What, what about a spooky doll? What about thing that isn't usually killing me, but it's killing me now? Like there's something about that fear that is so shallow and basic that I think that its appeal and that's not that's not to trash it at all. Like obviously there's, there's there's deeper stuff going on. It's not just what if spooky clown, but like I I feel like there's a certain space in horror that appeals to like just a just a really dumb desire.
1: I mean, okay, like I. I... You you really seem to be criticising the unimaginative quality of humanity's deep-seated fears,
0: which I I kind of get. What because it, does, is human... It's when people tell you they've seen a ghost. I swear to God, it's, I saw a ghost. Like, that's it. There's, the, the, there's no other examination of what scared them. It's just like, oh my God, the ghost.
1: Well, but this is like when... Like we did a podcast a while back, and you and Jana like were coming up with what scares you, and you were and you were coming up with these like highfalutin, <laughs> like terrifying things, and I was like ghosts, because guess the fuck what? Ghosts are scary. Like dolls are scary. I watched the trailer uh, for The Boy, and uh, decided I cannot watch this movie because uh, dolls are spooky, and I don't want to watch that. <laughs> um, like I don't know, man. I I I think calling horror the stupidest genre is like I didn't, not categorically it, not, wrong. I'm not I, calling I, it the stupidest I, I, genre.
0: I'm saying it has the ability to appeal to very stupid people. I don't know. I I think I think horror is
1: one of the. I think horror is sort of the ultimate one of the ultimate uh, uh, adaptable genres because the thrills it uh, provides, like the means by which it entertains, are um uh uh, uh very I, I, I like direct and like not very heady um it, it, these thrills can be produced on the cheap unlike with action and uh it's also quite conceptually varied like so so and because of those two things because like because fear is uh, just generally quite entertaining for a certain subset of people, and because fear can be generated cinematically quite cheaply. Mm. Um, Sometimes like very cheaply. What's... Yeah, so like, what sets horror movies apart is oftentimes the concept. So to sort of just drag this conversation back towards like what we're meant to be focusing on, The Purge is like a prime example, where the entire selling point of this in- movie series is... So, uh, it's the future in America. Um, after some sort of unexplained societal breakdown, a group, uh, sort of political totalitarian group have taken control of the United States, calling themselves, uh, the new founding fathers of America. And bit, as part, <laughs> uh, and as part of, uh, their, uh, their reign, they institute, uh, An annual festival called the Purge, uh, in which uh, it is one night a year for twelve hours. Everything is made legal, and like they sort of sell it as being a, uh, lord, well, I don't know what you call it, like like a spiritual cleanse for the nation, right?
0: Twelve hours. I couldn't get that much done in twelve hours. Do you know what? If they gave me twenty, then maybe I'd do a bit of crime. But twelve.
1: Yeah, it's it's really. I don't know. They they really so, don't someone's like, "Hey much.
0: Pete, do you want to come? Do you want to come to a, a bar tonight?" And if I'm already got my pajamas on, I'm just like, "Do you know what? No. Like, how do you expect I'm going to go out murdering as well?"
1: Yeah, I, I don't know.
0: Like, twelve hours is a bit of a long time. I mean, to be
1: honest, my my thing is that like, I mean, try as I might, I can't stay up past twelve these days. <laughs> I get this. I get pretty sleepy. You don't, so... you don't.
0: want to fall asleep in the middle of the. Park. <laughs> <laughs> nah man, nah, that's, that's pretty
1: That would be a real danger for me I'd probably get purged just because I, I, I had
0: to go I I, I sat down in a really comfy chair And I just couldn't keep my eyes open See, I love the concept Like the idea behind the purge is the whole like Everyone's gonna cleanse themselves Get, get like all this aggression is the root of all societal societal problems. If we just had one night where we could just get it all out of our system, we'll live in this utopia. And it's so funny the idea of just like, oh, I'm I'm pent up with so much rage, I've got I've got to steal a car radio right now. Like the fact that any crime comes from aggression.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, a lot of crime. I I feel like some crime comes from aggression, oh, like sure. If you're, like violent, uh, like violent if crime. you're like doing a manslaughter or getting fought in a pub. Like my what my what I like is that. Uh, like the premise sort of envisions a world where if you were about to get a f- in a fight with someone in a pub like you'd think about it and be like wait S- no 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 i will just hit him later on purge light so like everyone in this world is just storing up an enormously long list of grievances yeah. against everyone in their lives
0: which is not which is not how like acting violently in the moment works <laughs> It's just not how human violence at all
1: uh, works <laughs> at all, but the the interesting thing about Purge Anarchy. Um, and I, I was actually quite confused by this because so uh, my previous knowledge of the Purge movies, before this, had come entirely via Dan Harmon uh, taking the piss out of the Purge, uh, in an episode of Brick and Morty. Oh, yeah,
0: and really, almost almost just doing it better.
1: <laughs> actually, no, um it it's it, it's the thing that like i saw so i thought that dan Harmon had just like picked up on uh, a socio-economic rationale for the purge and that it's just rich people um uh, uh, destroying poor people's lives in order to them, each other. like distract them from like their true oppressors um but that's actually what the purge is about like the purge anarchy we find out that the government is uh like instituted the purge in order as some sort of like Malthusian population control. Mm. So they literally go out and kill poor people um, in order that there are like fewer poor people. So like unemployment is down and that kind of thing. Um, Which, I mean, it's very dumb (laughs) because, um, I don't know, like... L- largely because cap- Capitalists like to retain Surplus populations in order to Like drive down the cost of labour So I don't quite know who the f- who the New founding fathers are supposed to be Well
0: Brody but... you're not considering that killing poor people Might just be fun <laughs> you're, ba- you're, I mean... you're basically consi- Doing that Mitchell Webb skit The whole like what if we kill the poor That's basically <laughs> that It's basically that It's into an entire film Yeah kind of Um well except that in that in that one they
1: put it into the computer and it doesn't work <laughs> <laughs> what if we killed all the poor oh God I really hate oh boy anyway but like so like so anyway the purge but like the the other thing about the purge movies is that they're they're about law and they're about law effectively mm-hmm. um the purge movies um are about, well, I, well okay, no, so they're about law and they're about power. And the basic thesis of the Purge Anarchy is that, um, like, in, like, in the state, like, there, humanity is structured through various power relations, like mm-hmm. economic or gendered or whatever. Um, but in everyday society, the law sort of, balances that out like the law restrains people from uh, uh acting from from just like acting with complete impunity towards those who have uh who are who are lower than them on the power relationship mm-hmm. um and then like on purge night what you see is just like that those power relationships completely unfettered so um like there's actually like one of the initial uh, threats that happens to our sort of heroes in this, who are a really good like mother daughter combo. Mm. Um, like some there's some like genuinely good acting in in The Purge: Anarchy uh, from an ensemble cast of just like character actors. It's 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 generally it's it's a like it's a really solid film. Like mm. I would I would definitely like just recommend it. But anyway, like, one of the bad things that happens to, like, our two female protagonists is that, like, this really skeevy guy, one of them encounters at the beginning, gets all, like, alt-right uh, with a shotgun about, like, him him being like, oh, you denied me sex, well, I'm gonna get you now, because I'm a man, and now I have, an and now I can, I'm unrestrained, and I will take what I want. That and... is
0: what
1: they do. Yeah, all, all, all of that. So, like, the the law... Lore... A so like so first of all like the, the 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 purge sets up this somewhat dichotomy of like power versus law um but that doesn't really reflect reality like actually well, like one of the best ways that you can ex- that you can examine power is through its continued ability to uh act with impunity to ruin other people's lives, to ruin people's lives, right, even right, right. despite the existence of law. Um, so I don't think the purge is actually, I don't think the purge as a concept is actually pretty good, is actually that good at like, you know, uh, uh,
0: proving power, the solidity of power structures. and
1: Yeah, it, it's, it's, it doesn't really, it's not the particularly, that's not the most effective way to examine that issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing is that the Purge is pretty uncritical when it comes to laws because um, the laws the Purge focuses on is basically murder. Like, the Purge, like, no one, none of the villains in the Purge are ever doing anything but killing. They're always, like, there's no murder. There's maybe, like, okay, like, I did just mention rape, but it's it's murder and rape, like, and there's no...
0: Um, There's no more nuance to like the, what is being unleashed on this one night. Exactly. It's just like well, oh, everyone. It's, it's if everyone like there. There are probably lots and lots of crimes that a that regular people might consider um, committing on this one night, but the, the these movies treat it as just like oh yeah, it's murder day. Like I can finally, I can finally <laughs> do all that murder I wanted. And it's just it's it's an odd assumption.
1: Yeah, like and and it's actually quite interesting because. Um, Well, a a that is what the like the new founding fathers in text intend, and the actual text of the purge announcement is that like for these twelve hours all crimes including murder, wink wink, do um, that one. (laughs) Like literally, they they make a point of mentioning murder, um, as if the audience has forgotten that that was a crime. (laughs) (laughs) So there's just a bunch of people watching and go, oh yeah, that's right, we can't kill
0: people. Cool, cool. Right, right. Got it. <laughs> could, you imagine, could you imagine if they, they implemented the purge and the general population was just nice enough that no one really did anything? No one got killed, but just, like, everyone downloaded the shit out of the New <laughs> Avengers or something and bankrupted Disney. <laughs> <laughs> They're like,
1: fuck. Yeah, I mean, the I, I thing is, I remember um, a movie Bob... There, there, there was a movie Bob video about this and like what, what you could potentially do on The Purge night and like one of his things was like, oh, what if you did like illegal genetic experiments like with stem cells or something? That could be really cool. Mm. Um, but the, the sort of problem with the other problem with The Purge movies is that a lot of very interesting illegal stuff that people could do um, would be just completely hours. negated by yeah. the fact that you only had 12 hours yeah, in yeah, which yeah, to yeah. do
0: it. What would you do? Can I ask?
1: Oh man! I mean, like I said, I'd probably go to bed. But
0: <laughs> my favorite one I, I heard know. was someone who went. I'd just go to the zoo and just try out all the exotic animals. Taste, I might break of- it. I might break into something. I might vandalize some shit. Okay. I
1: I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't mind just like wandering around downtown, just spraying I'd random just, shit on walls. I just that'd be I'd, that'd be fucking fun. I'd probably just loot.
0: It's really boring.
1: I mean, yeah, but like.
0: I don't know. I, I, I'd, I, I'd, I'd feel. <gasps> I'd steal. And I'd steal as and... many drugs as I could from like some high-profile drug dealer and sell them before the twelve y- twelve hours is up, and then they'd come <laughs> after me and be like, "Well, purge is over. Sorry, can't murder me." But also, that's the other thing that purge forgets is that people still do murder people when it's illegal. <laughs> it does. Like imagine me saying to like some drug kingpin, "Can't murder me. Purge is over." Like, oh, would they? Would they listen to that? Yeah. I, I so
1: okay, so the purge is like a dumb concept. But there is uh but if you're looking um at it, look there, there's a fairly simple thing to do to make the purge industry, mm-hmm. interesting, which is to break down the binary of like law is good, uh absence of law is bad. Yeah. Um but and here and I think it's important to like do this but like not make it really boring (laughs) which like this is why the purge focuses on murder because murder is exciting yeah um so embezzlement so my idea for how i would reboot the purge is to uh i would make it about an environmental action (gasps) ah so uh it would be about you you would follow an ensemble cast of environmental activists and one of like the really hardcore um environmental terrorist groups like i don't know like earth first or um like the afl or something like that and there they would be using the purge as like like all over the country there would just be these be, that this, there would just be this massive sweep of attacks like they're using the purge as this uh opportunity to uh, uh like to de- deal a devastating blow against uh, like a particularly bad corporation mm-hmm. or something like that like, against a particularly like uh, in, just, environmentally like, unfriendly or, population or like
0: a, a meat processing industry or something or
1: Yeah, like like like, I like like a Monsanto. Like uh, I don't know, I don't know about Monsanto because they're mainly crops. Um, Yeah, like like maybe some sort of like giant slaughterhouse firm or like a logging firm. Or one thing I did think about was like you know, like the oil pipeline thing. You know, like uh, the Dapple pipeline.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I was thinking you could maybe try to make a corporation that somehow hits all of them at once. Like we cut down trees that land on pigs. (laughs) <laughs> two That's birds how with... we kill our animals yeah. we... we hit two birds with one stone Literally, we also throw stones at birds
1: <laughs> Yeah Um. And so uh. Yeah, that would be That would be my idea And I think that would be quite interesting to see <laughs> We clean up oil spills be... by
0: lighting them
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we set the ocean on fire Isn't it pretty? <laughs> So yeah, yeah, that would be my um that would be my purge. I I would do it so like your heroes are exploiting the purge for like potentially are, are they... defensible ends, but your okay. heroes are also the kind of people who are like totally willing to sacrifice human life like for an environmentalist cause, right. right? So, would, so, so you, they're not you'd have different necessarily characters good
0: taking it to different degrees.
1: Yeah, and then on the other hand, you'd have uh like I don't know. Like maybe you'd have two sides in this thing. You could do it like a, a sort of point breakish type thing, where you've got a cop and an activist. Um, each of them leading their own ensemble casts. But like instead, it's not a cop. It's like the head of a security detail mm-hmm. of a um, of a particular plant or processing fact uh, factory or something, meat processing factory or something like that. Mm-hmm. And like he's leading a team of security people. And so you have this like. Cat and mouse game, um, on the on the plant. Cool. And and that and that could be quite cool because like he can't call the cops. Like it's just them on an isolated plant, and uh, they're fighting each other. And yeah.
0: How I'm thinking money here. I'm thinking viewership. How yep. much murder is there?
1: I think I'm like that's kind of the thing about this uh, about this setup, right? There is enough murder. Um, there's limit. There's not as much flagrant murder because no one's uh, saying for
0: murder for murder's sake.
1: Yeah, but I, I'm very comfortable with this being a. Yeah, you know, a combat a combat between two sides, neither of which likes the other, and both of whom are very willing to use lethal force.
0: Right. So you're you're almost using the purge as an excuse to like re- reduce things to like an element of wild west essentialism. Like we will just fight for whatever conflict is already present, and it's not uh, it's not caused by the purge, but it's enabled by it.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's uh, what I want to do. I I also. Um, yeah, and, and because the removal of the sta- and the removal of the state basically uh, allows for uh, an almost equal level of conflict between these two right. people. Also also because actually one of the interesting things about the purge is that the concept bans weapons of above a level of four.
0: What's, um, what, what is, I, level which is four? like
1: to know like explosives on nukes or something like you, like the purge doesn't allow you to just like set off a nuclear bomb <laughs> right. right
0: all right mum, i'm just popping out for the purge hang on is that a nuke <laughs> in your pocket you know the rules <laughs> nothing level i thought you're just gonna say like machine guns or something no nah, i
1: think i think the whole idea is like the purge you're not allowed you're only allowed to use like guns and stuff so but, which, but that's interesting in and of itself. So, like, both sides are playing by the rules, but they're using, like, fairly standard tactical armaments, mm. which in itself is, like, that's an, quite an interesting restriction.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's kind of like you're, you're creating a, a heightened action movie setting in which relatively regular people can partake. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I think that's really cool. I think here's another, here's another money-making idea from me, a little tip. Mm-hmm. um purge is night when there's no uh laws what other laws isn't gonna apply uh nudity laws how about everyone's naked that's gonna <laughs> get bums and seats I I mean that could be quite funny
1: if like <laughs> one of the guys is just, just uh, naked though. it's just it's like a nudist
0: and he's just like yeah I just want to be naked <laughs> like I can be that I'm and if he survives he's like running home as the sun's coming up he runs past like a cop who's coming back on duty and he's like I'm, I'm going home I'm gonna put clothes on honest and he's like one <laughs> minute over <laughs> I quite like that. I, I like the idea.
1: Yeah, that's the good thing. Like this is the point. Like you could have a really goofy comedy purge. You could have
0: a comedy. Oh my god, that's such a gra- that's such a great idea. Uh,
1: <laughs> fuck, that's actually way better idea. Why didn't I think of that? Yeah, comedy you could totally purge. have a comedy purge where like everyone is just doing really stupid stuff, like just fucking outside or like getting really high or just streaking everywhere. None
0: of these sounds stupid. This is great though. I mean. I was kind of interested in the idea of how would you examine the purge as an institutional concept. Like, and... like what if the purge was just like really gross? Like, what if people just like publicly just start doing public urination
1: the whole time?
0: Yeah, but, they, like, but how like how is that going to play like, out? It takes a lot of
1: effort to murder people. But, yeah, I like, know, but <laughs> I, I'm fairly sure people would just go out and just start like. But, if, but it, people... if it was a leak, if if it was no longer a leak, if I no longer risk getting, like, a fine to pee in the street, I would probably pee in yeah, the street.
0: You know, you do, you'd finish peeing and get on with whatever you were doing before. Pete, what if you just, like, what, what, I mean, in London, if there was a purge
1: in London, what you would see would be an epidemic of people drinking outside of carefully demarcated boundaries. <laughs>
0: But do you know what I'd like is, would be like a prank show, like people doing pranks the day before the purge and like Mm -hmm. someone takes it a bit too far. And then the person's like, oh, how am I going to get them back? And they just turn to their calendar and they say, oh, it's purge day. And then (laughs) there's like 12 hours where this, this prank, this prank war can just get way out of control.
1: I mean, my one concern here, Pete, is that we may have just developed the next scary movie.
0: Oh, (laughs) <laughs> no, that's not true. Scary Movie has no real structure. It's not actually parodying anything. No, no, no. They totally have structures.
1: Um the first Scary Movie uh has The first Scary Movie is a rip-off of Scream, which in itself is a is, is a parody a... of horror movies. Yeah, I know. I know. The the <laughs> the, the first Scary Movie is a, the most pointless movie ever to have been made, except for the other ones
0: the other scary no you like scary movie 4 don't you i, I saw you told me this once yeah scary movie 4's not bad <laughs> have you have you seen in terms of the purge have you seen these um the really terrible amazon reviews Of the amount of people watching the Purge and just thinking, why don't we do this? And just the amount of people who watch the Purge and are confused as to why our society doesn't already operate like this, and they're giving it like a five star review, being like, we should have this every year. Oh! And they're all saying, what a great idea the Purge would be.
1: (laughs) I mean, this is the problem with that kill the poor sketch, right? Like people, some people people think that think, yeah,
0: yeah. I would like to have kind of like a Punisher slash Death Wish character or something who just like, I don't know, gets, gets, gets all prepped up for the purge, gets ready to like go out and start shooting the scumbags on the street. And then because there's, I don't know, there's, there's no one there to enforce, like, I don't know, level crossing railway safety, and just gets <laughs> hit by a train or something.
1: Oh, uh, Yeah. I like I
0: 't wait, like yeah, would like bus drivers just be like, Woo! Wait, but who why would anyone be on duty surely and uh, who goes to work on the purge? are there what, restaurants no open? No, no it, it's what? over it's over a night. yeah, but there's stuff still running at night like what if I get hungry in the middle of the purge Can could I go to a Burger King? <laughs> and if they if they, they don't get my order right, can I kill them? <laughs> <laughs> no, like no one works on the purge. It's well, a there holiday. We go. I wouldn't join it. I'd get I'd get hungry immediately and have to go. <laughs> I brought. Don't worry, guys. I brought sandwiches. <laughs> Keep up. <laughs> we can,
1: well, we can that, have a murder but picnic. but the thing. Like, like it's also like the purge happens like at night, but it happens at the end of a working day.
0: Like, who has the energy to go on <laughs> to go purge after that? This is what I'm saying. I just torrent stuff. And then probably, yeah. probably get good <laughs> someone who someone who says who declares at the beginning of the movie I'm not being involved with the purge I'm I'm not a violent person and then they just decide to like torrent Game of Thrones or something and then they get a virus and then they think well you know what it's the purge I can track down whoever made this virus and murder the shit out of them but it's taken too long it takes them more than twelve hours Oh, so it just shows their transformation sorry I'm jacking yeah. this now. <laughs> No, 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 I, I really like your idea. I think the idea
1: of, like, the comedy purge comedy is... Comedy purge is really good. ...is way better, yeah. That's a really good one. All right, I think, I think we've done that. I think, I think we've uh, got... Well, we've got three potential purge reboots. Yeah, that was real successful.
0: Uh, yeah, we've got a trilogy set up. <laughs> 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 Repurging, we'll call it. Um, we, we could just call it the cleanse. We could, that's what it's called in, in German. It's called uh, Die Zauberung. Oh, brilliant! Which is just yeah. the, cl- the cleaning. Yeah, we'll Which just call it creepy. the cleanse, yeah. and uh,
1: and I mean, find ourselves find ourselves a horror studio. Yeah, get it done. Yeah, get it done. All right then, Pete. So.
0: What's your right. uh, uh, reboot, remake? The challenge you gave me, sequel. which was absolutely devilish trying to get through. Some things seemed to do do the work for me. Like, some things just beg for a sequel or or, or to be remade or, or be reworked in some way. But you mm-hmm. gave me The Incredibles and told me to do The Incredibles too, And I didn't <laughs> realise what a difficult, difficult task that really was. Until I, A, watched the original Incredibles, and B... Try to think of what could logically be, tran- like, carried over into a sequel. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a weird case, because there has been... Uh, Incredibles 2 has been confirmed as, as like, as being in the works. So this is inevitably going to be put to the test. Um, but I heard that the new Incredibles... What they're doing with it is they're going to... Um, it's going to carry on directly from the original... So, like, literally moments after the first one finishes, they're going to move right into the sequel. And for me, personally, that's not what choice I would have made. So, for my thing, I've carried this story on in real time. Mm -hmm. So, it's set 14 years later. Jesus Christ, what is time? Um, And (laughs) the characters have obviously all aged and we're going to see them. Can right. that be the actual uh, subtitle for The Incredibles? Incredibles, Incredibles two. two. Jesus Christ, what is time? Incredibles two. I'm basically dead. Um, <laughs> but uh, wh- wh- Incredibles what I two. To- I could have sworn that came out only yesterday. Oh god. <laughs> oh god. Oh god. <laughs> um, what I wanted to ask you actually was, what's your general argument? Your your general reasoning for when you because you're one of these people who likes to ruin the Incredibles for people whenever it comes up in conversation. What is it that you you like telling people? I mean see, I'm
1: I'm not particularly happy being this person. I don't <laughs> think I like ruining the Incredibles. It's just that um you know, I read the standard point that like Syndrome's evil plan is actually good. Um right. in the terms of like his evil plan is to sell a bunch of really neat technology to kids so that a race of genetically superior beings does not like retain their level yeah, of immense
0: their, their natural superiority.
1: Yeah. Um which is like that's like a really solid uh ambition. <laughs> I'm I'm really i I'm really good with that. Yeah. Uh so and the only difference and the only the only reason why I wouldn't be in favour of it is because like the guy who decides it is like an absolute is like a murderer. Like but, so like I'm not also saying the, that like syndrome is, that- is- Go, will... it's a good person i'm saying his plan is great yeah the, um, the issue is that syndrome... but brad bird doesn't think his plan is great because brad bird is
0: definitely an objectivist yeah, but this is this is the weird thing is rewatching it i was watching like okay what makes syndrome unforgivable here and there's definitely elements of his character obviously that he murders people and he uh like attempts to break apart this family but like the the thing that goes wrong with Syndrome's plan isn't this diabolical thing of, like, I want to blow up the world, I want to destroy everything. It's that he he wants to, he's a phony, for one. He wants to orchestrate mm-hmm. this thing in which he can be a superhero. And also, it's that he fails. He fails, yeah. like, immediately. Like, his his weird remote, it's also so lame. that He's like, I'm going to beat a giant robot and convince everyone I'm great. And his remote control, he just uses a remote control to, ma- like, make the fight easy and cheap for himself. And he messes that up. And then the superheroes have to come in and save the day. Mm-hmm. So that really spoke to me in that regard. But um there's the the thing upon the rewatch of the Incredibles, the thing where like that weird Ayn Rand shit kind of actually like came up was um mostly in how Dash's character is treated. Ooh. Or how interesting. they how they address him. Like, obviously the broader plot stuff uh brings up that objective as reading a little bit, but like at least it's part of just a diabolical villain oh no stop him thing Mm -hmm. when they talk about dash's character there's that whole thing of he's failing in school precisely because he's being held back precisely because he cannot uh, express who he is as a superhero
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, he's super speedy and he's got all these talents but they can't do it because they're under wraps and they can't let anyone find out who they are and but dash would be great if they could let him do sports and he would uh, in his own words, I'll only be the best by a tiny bit. Like, they mm-hmm. will... Like, he'll win, obviously, because he's a superhero, but uh, they will also, like, hold themselves back to in order to, like, keep up that appearance. And the fact that the movie ends not with uh, any kind of lesson about that, the fact that the movie affirms exactly what Dash and, and Robert Parr wanted at the beginning of the film, like, it ends with him in that race... And then, mm-hmm. just getting this this trophy, that's where that real kind of like superior being being held back by the little guy thing comes through, because like what kind of strange ending is that where you realize, oh yeah, we can just duple the normies around us. It's fine, mm-hmm. like like I don't dash doesn't deserve that trophy at all, <laughs> which I found weird, so
1: yeah it it's it's interesting, um. I don't know, because it, it goes into this whole, like, uh, like, my entire understanding of Ayn Rand is via the Simpsons episode, where, <laughs> as part of, like, a Treehouse of Horror or something, uh, Maggie is, is placed, oh, is yeah. through, like... I remember that. Goes through an Ayn Rand parable. Um, but the... Oh, God, it, it, it's just a really weird... Don't get me wrong. Um, It's
0: a fantastic film. That it's that's the thing, right? Like the film is
1: amazing, and it really, uh, it really captures that feeling of freedom of finally being unleashed to be able to discover Mm. your full potential. Like, and it and like that's a legitimately wonderful thing.
0: And it has more energy than most Pixar films, and that's saying something. Mm. But it's also so real. Like the the whole there's like these really nuanced observations of, of what it would be like to go through a midlife crisis in this state that's like this mm. is in a kid's film and like the relationship between uh, mr incredible and his wife is just so well observed like there's like tiny implications that she's like expect um suspecting that he's having an affair and stuff like that just letting these themes come through in a kid's film is really impressive
1: yeah and i from what i remember like that like the the relationship, I I, I always like go to um, the relationship between Dash and, I'm uh, forgetting his sister's name. Violet, Islet, yeah, the whole like that relationship always speaks really strongly to me, particularly how like you know those two are always at each other's throats but the moment there's an outside threat to either of them mm-hmm. they're immediately just like together mm-hmm. and like fighting for each other and like really viscerally defenses, defensive yeah. of each other
0: it's yeah it's really cool i think i've, al- I've also always been a bit uh distracted by the fact that the incredibles is also basically watchmen for kids <laughs> like it's it's al- almost the same plot like where being a superhero gets outlawed and there's one guy who carries on doing it and in, in doing so discovers that there's someone, a very rich technocrat on an island uh, who's been killing off any superheroes who find out his secret in order to develop this big thing that he can transport to a city and then fool <laughs> everyone into thinking that superheroes are necessary. It's it's a watchman. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's great. I,
1: I, no, I, I'd, I'd never noticed
0: that. Yeah, it's the same plot. <laughs> and... Brad Bird apparently hadn't read Watchmen and didn't, and just like wrote it by accident. <laughs> but like, yeah, getting back to the, those weird politics, addressing that was my biggest challenge because I'm not Ayn Rand, I'm not Brad Bird. I hope, but like, mm-hmm. what I kind of wanted I don't to do—I'd I'd be Brad Bird, I, yeah, I, I suppose.
1: I, I wanted to—he to... wrote, wrote literally. I should actually like to point out that Brad Bird has written, is responsible for like my two. Most favorite animated movies of all time, which are *The Iron Giant* and *Ratatouille*, mm. and it's purely because, like, what, Bra- what Brad what Bradburd does in sort of like uh, 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 valorizing the triumph of the individual.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's just like it is like perfect. It's like brilliant, and it complements
0: like, cinematic it- narratives brilliantly too.
1: But yeah, but it's it's like I'm not saying that that's like an in. I don't want to say that's an invalid artistic mm. like project because yeah that's part of human nature and like we do valorize the individual and like that's not necessarily a bad thing it's Mm. just like in his later career it's gone to like some really weird places Mm. um of like when when you turn that into a societal critique of like oh the normies are holding our us extraordinaries back
0: Mm.
1: it goes to some kind of unhealthy places yeah
0: anyway also recommending colin trevorrow for star wars (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah that that was his big problem that's some weird career stuff um but what i wanted to do with the sequel would be to somehow respond to that to somehow put the characters in the position that they've ended the first film in and then look at what uh further problems and issues could arise and how they would respond to that but my main mm-hmm. thing is that i wanted to fast forward the story 13 or 14 years or so um this would mean all the characters are older All of them are in different spaces, and it would mean a new main character. Uh, And I would not want Mr. Incredible to mean the main character. My main character would be Jack-Jack. Ooh. So the baby is now 13, 14. And he's the only one left living in their household. Violet and Dash have both grown up and moved out. Uh, And so we'd open the movie with... uh, like a, a big montage of just all the amazing thing, all these amazing tales of what the old superheroes have done. Just Mr. Incredible's generation. Just these huge endeavours, these amazing adventures, like a big compilation of all of those things, uh, including the events of the first film and then whatever happened right after that and things like that. And then crash cut to a convention where everyone's dressed up Ooh. and it totally looks like a, a, a nerd convention where everyone's just dressed up as their favorite superheroes, and they've all come to, like, get stuff signed. But they haven't, because you slowly start to realize that everyone has superpowers. And this is Supercon. It's not a place for people to valorize superheroes. It's just a place for superheroes to meet and to, like, share what they've got going on and share what their powers are and express themselves in this space. And it turns out there's way more superhero superheroes than any- anyone thought. Way more people have superpowers. And in this new society... It's so big that it's not a case of people even being secret having secret identities. It's just loads of people have super superpowers now, and Mister mm-hmm. Incredible has been invited to like do a, a speech uh, at this place and uh, and and share his stories. And there's a lot of young people there who don't really remember who he is or don't understand what his shtick is. And it, from his perspective, there's like times moving on. Uh, mm. It's no longer a case of putting on a mask and going out by yourself and solving what crimes you can. Everyone's just completely open and honest about their superpowers. And in the end, he finds this a little bit alienating and a little a little bit weird. And he can feel... And I want to kind of respond to this feeling of getting older and the younger generation usurping you, not with what you did, but with just something completely different. So mm. he comes away from this convention kind of... Uh, let down, a little bit, alienated and put off. Jack-Jack is also there, and mm-hmm. he's meeting with all these people with weird superpowers, and like people are making fun of him. They're like, what can you do? Because that's how, honestly one of the questions I had with Jack-Jack in the first film. Like, what what is his power? <laughs> like, one minute he's fire, and then he's metal, and then he's like a weird devil creature. I, I assume he's like a shapeshifter. But, yeah, like... he can like make himself into different materials and adapt and stuff like that. But like mm-hmm. that could be a joke of just like the other teenagers just being like, What is it you do? <laughs> like his power just confusing people. And not all powers are really cool. Like there's 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 one guy there whose name is Painkiller. And they're like, What can you do? And he's like, Well, I can stop headaches. And uh and like he can he can stop he can just take away any pain. He's like, Yeah, have you got a headache? No. <laughs> Could you point me to someone who has? Like, that's all he can do. So, there's a like, little bit of contention now between superheroes, not just people who have superpowers and people who don't. It's people who have cool, big, flashy ones and people who have kind of just average, middling utilities for superpowers. Ooh. And because Jack Jack's power is like quite flashy, quite big, uh, he attracts the attention of like a char- charismatic, rich, uh, entrepreneurial super named. Have your blast. And uh, and he's cool. like, kind of like a cool. like a, a Tony Stark sort of figure who sees potential in young supers and like he says to Jack Jack, he's like, Come, alright. I like what you got going, kid. I like what you could you could do. I think you should be allowed to really fulfill your, your, your full potential. Look at this guy, he like takes away headaches. I don't need that. Why are you wasting your time with that? And he like gives him a flyer, he's like, I've got an academy for young superheroes that I'm opening up and I need just the best of the best. It's hard to get in, but I want you to uh, to apply and to audition. So Jack-Jack gets, takes that opportunity, and there's like a big debate back at the house with his parents, sort of just like, is he going to apply to school? Is he going to go there? And they reason that because Dash and Violet have both been allowed to lean into their superpowers and go on and pursue their own endeavors, then he should be allowed to do the same. Mm-hmm. Cut to what Dash and Violet are up to. So Dash is about, what, 23, 24 now. Violet's like, almost 30. Um, And so we have, like, a big montage of Dash, like, run. I almost just said running around. But, like, just doing your average superhero day, like, doing lots of good deeds, getting into adventures. He's still under wraps. He's still undercover um, with a secret identity. He's doing the classic thing. Um, And he's, like, solving, not solving crimes, but, like, helping people out. Uh, but then we see him get back to just a kind of small, shitty apartment that he can't really pay for and get into his job as like a delivery boy, like as a courier to, and trying to get places real fast. And his boss is mad at him. And he's struggling. He's doing the whole Spider-Man thing. He's struggling to uh, to maintain uh, a regular life. And he's, he's he's basically proof that the classic formula of uh, secret identity superhero just sometimes doesn't pay, sometimes isn't mm-hmm. the best. And Violet, uh, because being a superhero is just so unfettered, there's like a million career opportunities, she is now like a mini crime boss. She's like borderline supervillain where she just, uh, she is brokering what syndrome tech is left uh, un- under the under the radar and kind of uses her powers to to keep people who work for her in check. She's actually like a little bit more of a dark character. Ooh. And no one knows about what she does. Why, why did you choose violet
1: to go that route
0: because she seemed like and especially in the first film she seems like a little bit more discontented with the idea of kind of of jumping through loops and uh, and, and embracing her powers and I figured mm. that uh, at the end of the first film if she if she growed up grew up, uh, grew up um, actually understanding her powers and and, and using them freely uh, she's probably smart enough to just Use them in whatever way to get ahead, rather than wanting to be a superhero. Also, her mm-hmm. her powers aren't as traditionally superhero as um she's sneaky. <laughs> that's that's what that's what invisibility speaks to me. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. No, no, that makes sense. Also, her powers don't work well alone. Mm-hmm. To be a superhero, she'd have to be in a superhero group. Mm-hmm. Um. So we'd have a whole scene with like uh the family at Thanksgiving or something at a big ga- uh. Getting together, and there's news. Uh, there's news on the grapevine of of known superheroes losing their powers. People uh, suddenly not able to do what they could before, and no one really knows why. It's people. It's superheroes who are um, tied to some certain like technological research on a on a remote facility, and people are coming away from it uh, with no more powers. And obviously, there's like so some discord in the family. They're worried that something like this could happen to them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh but this is right before Jack Jack's going to go off to his uh his academy his first day at superhero school and dash as a as a gesture of goodwill to his little brother uh says if you're going to become a real superhero then I'd like you to also uh maybe accompany me and be a practice being a sidekick. So he gives him like a little a little signal. Like the you know those things in the, in the in the in the suits in the first movie, where you press a button, it goes beep 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 and it shows you where they are. Yeah, yeah. He gives them like a, a proto version of that, something that he can he can hit whenever he needs his, his little brother's help, and they can uh, save the world together. Oh. And Jack accepts that as a as a gesture of goodwill from his older brother, and then he's off to this uh, off to this school, and he goes to this academy run by Javier Blast, and uh... still
1: really fucking great name. <laughs>
0: Um, and he immediately finds that the class is actually quite small because the, uh, the the requirements to get in, the requirements to be part of the class are very, very high and the expectations are nebulous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he makes friends with someone who can teleport. There's a girl who can grow and shrink at will. Uh, nice. There's a boy who can become liquid. And most importantly, there's one girl who can shoot lasers and make explosions. That's all she can do. And mm-hmm. it's made very explicit that this is a um, a point of worry around this person. The fact that her power is just purely destructive. And that's why she's come to this school. She wants to, like, belong. She wants to understand how she, how she can live with her powers and not just be a purely destructive person. Mm-hmm. So almost right away, it's, it's clear that Mr. Blast is trying to create a superhero team. Um, mm-hmm. And after lessons begin... He starts taking them on excursions to uh, to big natural disasters or, or, or foiling famous supervillains. Um, big, challenging events that would normally be handled by other more experienced superhero teams. Um, mm-hmm. And this, obviously, the group starts to buckle under the pressure. Some people cannot keep up and they're thrown out the school. And uh, it's clearly this kind of uh, christened in fire sort of system. Mm-hmm. And the, the group starts to realize that other superhero teams aren't um uh aren't coming along because they've been bought up by Mr. Blast. These the their their uh whatever institutions that keep these uh these teams funded have been bought up and Mr. Blast says only that they've been fired. Um there's also oh in the middle of the school there's also this big device this kind of big rod sort of uh sort of tesla coil device that looks like it powers the entire academy and mr mm-hmm. blast insists that this is something that amplifies your powers and lets you live up to your real potential and not fall behind mm-hmm. um and then about halfway through the film we see that there's a natural disaster somewhere that i think there's maybe maybe a, a, a volcano or or some, something that threatens a village and the only person who turns up uh to try to stop this is dash and he's like struggling to save this town, get people to safety. And he hits the, um, uh, the help button for, for Jack-Jack because he would be perfect. He can be any material. He could be ice. He could be stone. He could be whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And he hits this thing and Jack-Jack gets the signal and he wants to go. But Mr. Blast has uh, arranged like a TV spot for this new team who are going to be publicly saving the world. And he won't let him go. And it's like mm. it's like it's like a bigger scale version. You know in the first movie when Mr. Incredible's talking to his boss and he sees the guy getting mugged and mm. he's not allowed to go help him. It's like a really powerful moment. I'd want like a larger scale version of that where it's so obvious this thing's on TV. Dash is running around trying to save this town and um and he's he's by his boss he's being kept there made to just and we've got like a uh intercut of um of Jack, Jack and his friends just uh, on on TV in silly costumes, uh, intercut with Dash desperately trying to stop this village being burned, and in the end, uh, Frozone <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson comes and uh, and and helps and manages to uh, cool down what of the magma he can, but he almost almost dies in the process because the amount of energy it takes to freeze lava. <laughs> hmm. um, so he wasn't with That Dash is furious that he his brother hasn't been allowed to um, to help out, to obviously do some good. And he uh... oh, I didn't mention that Javier Blast is also a super. Obviously, mm-hmm. uh, his power is that he can uh, basically hack physics. He can make anything as light or as heavy as he wants. Okay. Uh, so he could he, he could he could pick up pick up like your phone and throw it to you and make it weigh four tons. Nice, or something like that, or or he could do the opposite. He could he could make a a car weigh an ounce and just lift it and throw it around. Uh,
1: mm-hmm. So
0: he's kind of strong, but not really. He's much more about adjusting the rules to adhere to what he wants.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Almost like that's a thematic thing. Um, <laughs> so dash out of in fury comes to this uh, this academy and uh, and confronts Mister Blast and demands to know why. His Wait, uh, why
1: does he blame Mr. Blast and not
0: Jack-Jack? He comes to confront both of them, really. Okay. Um, and Mr. Blast points out in a clause that he's just obtained uh, r- uh, pertaining to his company that uh, it is now considered that any vigilantism superhero superhero um, heroism is considered an affront to his business endeavour and uh, it is an a- uh, asset that he no longer needs. And he decides to use this big device that he's told Jack-Jack uh, drives their powers. He uses it and uh, fires like a beam at Dash and removes his powers. And Dash leaves the place with no powers and it's turned out that uh, this is what uh, has been happening with superheroes losing, losing their abilities is that uh, Mr. Blast, when he says he's fired... Certain superheroes, uh, he's actually just been taking away their powers and doing away with them. Because anyone who doesn't meet the cut, anyone who doesn't meet what he needs, uh, just gets their abilities taken away.
1: Right, so, but like, but like, this guy is playing. Okay, no, continue. I, I I need to. Go, so, keep going. All right, Sorry.
0: so big, uh, big flashy superhero narrative occurs. Uh, mm-hmm. Because of some um, supervillain off in the sea, off on a secret island, uh, a portal opens up and it unleashes a huge monster that's going to, like a Godzilla sort of thing, that's going to walk through the sea and it's going to trash everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's obvious that this thing needs to be stopped, that all superheroes need to band together and help out, but there aren't really any superheroes who openly operate like that, who, like a lot of superheroes are just people with powers. Uh, but, uh, what's left of the Incredibles, Mr. Incredible and Elastigirl are now, because of this, trying to rally together these people who, these younger superheroes who don't really realize that they should be, uh, openly fighting evil, try to rally them to band together and try to defeat this monster. Uh, so they collect them all, but it's turned out that Mr. Blast is actually, uh, Organized this situation where he wants them all, he wants the monster to to kind of come towards his island, everyone to converge in this place, and there he will set off this uh, this device that will rob all public superheroes of their powers and leave just him and his class and his, like, prized team uh, left as the only supers. Mm -hmm. And that's what he wants. And by this time, uh, a lot of members of the class are, like, fully, like, not indoctrinated, but they are uh fully his in a sense yeah they're, they're on board they're on board uh except jack jack who's obviously having doubts because he's just seen his brother get his powers taken away um so on the on the day of the of this of this big conflict these monsters coming towards the island mr blast is just waiting for all the superheroes to turn up and tr- and try to fight it so he can trap them and take away their powers uh Jack Jack is left with the moral conundrum. What's he what's he going to do? Is he going to just going to wait and watch his whole family watch uh, everyone like all the supers in their own world just have their powers taken ar- away in front of him? Uh so he with this girl who can only like shoot lasers and explode things, they make the decision together to actually take this device and take it out like onto the beach where Mr. Blast is like about to spectate and watch it all. And set it off early. And to save to save everyone else and their powers, they are gonna sacrifice their own. And that's like the big decision. They they set it off in front of him.
1: Why why don't they just destroy it?
0: To no, because Mr. Blast also has his powers.
1: Why don't they just destroy it and then take down Mr. Blast?
0: <laughs> <laughs> because I wanted a big sacrifice. <laughs> yeah. So they set it off Yeah, anyway lose their You're own going. powers. Mr. Blast also loses his powers. Everyone else um converges, destroys this monster together and then are able to uh to take down Mr. Blast together or arrest him. Uh and the movie ends with Jack Jack and Dash both without powers and the whole journey is that they have actually realized that to uh to help save each other, they have uh Actually, realised the the power in in letting go of individual, letting go of individual abilities, individual uh, powers, in order to save others, and that's what I wanted. I wanted, uh... mm. but you've gone and embarrassed me by pointing out a plot hole. <laughs> I I I, yeah. I I think
1: this is sort of the 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 difficulty, right? Like, um like giving giving up their powers in order to be like true heroes or what have you mm.
0: well yeah. i want i I, want, I wanted like a villain that emphasizes to one person like you can be better than everyone else because i i see something in you like mm. someone who has to uh like a hero that has to uh, actively uh steer away and avoid the temptation of, of just being better than all the others around them, or being or being pitched against others. I also I really like
1: um, the idea of like putting a Tony Stark type figure as your as your villain. Mm-hmm. Like that that's such a good idea. That would resonate now at least. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like. Uh, I also really like the sort of idea that he's like trying to create a superhero monopoly.
0: Kind of? Yeah, yeah. That's what I wanted. I wanted him, like, buying, like, buying up all superheroes. It's like, it's, it's as if, like, Tony Stark bought up the Fantastic Four mm-hmm. and then just went, ah, oh, we need to downsize and took away their powers.
1: Yeah. I like And, like, you could do, you could do it with, like, some sort of, like, government thing as well because just, they, they're like, ah, oh, there's just too many individual superheroes around. Like, let's just pick a super team mm. and that will be, mm. like, our American hero That'll super team. Easy.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh. Um, but in the... Like if you can't like make the if you can't make the cut if you can't be part of the super team then yeah you don't get powers anymore or yeah. whatever.
0: Yeah, I kind of wanted the the characters to 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 learn that just unfettered individualism is not conducive to uh, a good society of superheroes. If it's just like oh everyone's got powers and you just do what you want, like they need to understand themselves as a community of people who, granted, have amazing abilities. But then they have the responsibility to conduct themselves uh, responsibly as a facet of society that that can not not should, but can that can help other people, yeah,
1: but like there's no reason why they would have like like I mean there's no reason why they would why you can't I don't know I suppose I suppose like having that be the lesson, but also letting people remain powerful somewhat undercuts undercuts the message. So yeah, but you can't. Yeah, like you, if, can't and, like, I mean, you could just have the thing because I, F- I was sort of imagining like the rod would be like a, like uh, uh, would be like a a story a storage for the powers. Is sort of what I was com- ah. uh, 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 imagining. But you're you're just like, oh no, it just takes them away
0: permanently. Like it's just done. Yeah, well, you yeah. Can't, you couldn't. Well, you couldn't end end it with like everyone losing their powers. But this, mm-hmm. this is the point, you've got to find the balance. You can't just say like, oh, some people being superhuman, that is ultimately bad, let's get rid of it. And then if you go too far the other way, then you get into this weird aim Rand objectivism. So yeah. i kind of to find that balance. I mean,
1: yeah, I I, I, I guess. Like, I, I don't know, I, I super like the idea. I think there are, main, my main issues are just kind of like plot holes. Yeah. Uh, or just like, oh, why doesn't he just do that? Or like, why don't they just, um, like, why would Dash blame, um, like, why would Mister Blast, uh, uh, like, uh, not go and help out of at, at a volcano and like hold a press conference because like that would super that would be like really bad self image, like if he's if he's trying to be like the company that um, that helps out. If if he's trying to be like the superhero representative of America, mm. right, then he would be he would have to be the person um that did that. Mm. Um oh, let, let me go let me go right away and write a full script and <laughs> <laughs> I mean this is the this is the thing about our styles, right? It's like you're very much like into doing the
0: whole story and i am just much more like, eh, you know, I this think, would be a cool concept. I think I make I make it way too hard for myself. <laughs> Here we go, I'll make but, it easier. Let's put Seth Rogan in it. <laughs>
1: uh, but, like, but like, like i i like your um i i like i really like the i think i think like the monopoly superhero thing is exactly how you do it. and definitely definitely the whole um like 14 years later yeah, business i don't having know jack jack I, I,
0: I was almost a bit shocked that they planned to just carry it directly on mm. i was like are you serious <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's way better. Also, I love Supercon. I love the idea of just see the interesting thing I thought where you were going was with this whole like idea of two tier superheroes mm-hmm. that there's like a class of um, like objectively like very powerful superheroes, and then there's just a bunch of really lame ones, average ones. Yeah, which I kind of I think is kind of cool. Like, there's just a whole bunch like most of the populace like I don't know like maybe it's just now like. There's been, like, a superhero explosion, I could can... but, like, most people can only do, like, really yeah. dumb
0: things. I can transform into anyone in the world as long as they look a bit like me. Yeah. That sort of thing. <laughs> I mean, I thought, like...
1: I mean, like, one potential thing you could do is, like, I don't know, like, maybe Mr. Dash is, like, his his id maybe, no, maybe Mr. Blast, like his idea is that he wants to like he's storing up all the super's powers for himself. Mm-hmm. But like at but like at the end, um, like rather than like taking back I don't know. I was about to say like rather than taking back their powers, they just like disperse power all over the globe so everyone's just a little oh, bit super
0: but then if everyone's super then no one will be <laughs> <laughs> Yeah.
1: I don't know. I, I think your idea's probably better and like has more pathos for sure. Mm. Um I, I don't know. I really like the sort of idea of a two tier superhero system. Yeah. And like maybe, um, because you could quite easily see, you know, like Jack Jack wants to go and like, I don't know, you could it could have like a Monsters University type spin. Yeah.
0: But it'd be also something that works for like a teen narrative is that the whole, like the whole everyone being super, I want to be special but also fit in thing. Like, I think superheroes does lend itself to that as well. Mm. But you know, it's an idea I'd like to flesh out, and that's why I'm happy to take this chance to announce: I'm now working for Pixar. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, well, should, we, should we pitch to each other our um, our ideas for next one, our challenges for next week? Yeah. yeah all right. I, right. I I had an idea
1: for you. Before this, but now I've just immediately changed it because I had like a really a much oh, don't better. Don't give idea. me
0: another Pixar, please. <laughs> no, <laughs> don't want to follow no, greatness anymore.
1: <laughs> now I want you to make a sequel to Gremlins Two.
0: <laughs> Not Gremlins. <laughs> no, 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 no. So it's... wait, Gremlins want... Three is what you're pitching. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I I want you to I want you to make a canonically like like the events of Gremlins Two are canon, and you have to like move on from Gremlins Two.
0: I'm so happy. Right, <laughs> all right. This do you know what? Next episode's gonna be a wacky episode because <laughs> sweet okay. Because I'm pitching you. I would like you to make a sequel, a true sequel, not a bu- okay. not a bullshit son of story. Mm-hmm. I would like you to make a true sequel to The Mask Alright,
1: alright So it's like the first The Mask And then it's a and then ignore, it's The Mask 2 Yeah,
0: ignore some of The Mask I want you to just act, act as if it was huge No one made anything else And mm-hmm. the interest is still there And people say, Brody <laughs> They call you Brody They say, Brody, we'd like you to pen The Mask 2 What are you going to give us? Oh, okay. All right. All right. I'm going to head off and get this done. Yeah, just so I'll just no, it does take us exactly two weeks of solid work to come up with these ideas. That Incredibles one, I was working day and night. Yeah,
1: right. You've got to go off and uh, pen that second draft. Right. Pixar, is. Pixar <laughs> yeah, is like really waiting. You
0: know they are breathing down my back. You know Brad Bird's they... there, being like he could be the next Colin Trevorrow, but I don't know. That's it's too. <laughs> it's it, it, there's big shoes to fill. You know what I mean? <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> and with that, sorry, like, oh. that is the worst thing anyone could be called. <laughs> No. oh man that guy could fight with disney executives so well i <laughs> bet all right oh that... god peter, peter flynn the next colin trevorrow oh,
0: pff, sounds sounds good it's got a ring to it <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not, I'm not. gonna be the next Brett Ratner. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not big-headed or anything. Oh, just just wait until we have to do Rush Hour Four. I mean, <laughs> how would we do Rush Hour Four? Would we just double down on the darkness or try to capture the original magic? I know what you do. I
1: would. I would you, fucking
0: double down. But you'd anyway, make. A, is, you would make a Last von Trier but you would make Last von Trier's Rush Hour. Last N- von Trier's Rush
1: Hour. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, and with that,
0: I bid you adieu.
1: I bid you Alright, so I've been Adam Brody. I've been Peter Flynn. And this has been Sequels and
0: Reboots. Until next time. Bye. See you later.